Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We're staying at home and continuing social distancing practices throughout the entire month of April. So we keep on rolling with magical movies. San Antonio Spurs vs. Your Magic inside Amway Arena, February 9th, 2007. This is the Dwight Dunk game. Let's go. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Nelson with a heat check. Six straight Orlando points from Jameer. And Nelson had a toe on the line. Now they call it a three, but I think they had it right when they said it was a two. We'll go back and look. Right now it's 80 to 80. Nelson pulls up. That's a two. First Orlando lead since the first basket of the game. Howard was open for a lob. There's a lob and a game from straight on from Carlos Arroyo. Near sets up the alley-oop for Howard. Wow, does he get up there. He says he actually can kiss the rim and he can do it on the way down. I believe it. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Reddick driving on Ginobili. Counting and he's not. A career high, 15 for Reddick. He can make this a one-point game. Parker up tight on Nelson, down to 10 seconds. And Jameer Nelson starts in, pulls up, fires, hits, tie game. With 5.9, Greg Popovich says, we'll call time. Gets Turkaloo. Parker pulls up, blocked by Howard with 7 tenths. Now, but look at Howard. How far I away mean, from the basket is he? He's in a different county. And he's still able to get up there and block that shot. I mean, that tells you something. He's got so much range as a defender. I, mean, I didn't see David Robinson get that many that far out. You're yeah, talking young Wilt Chamberlain there. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big-time block there. Turkaloo-Lewison. I like Francisco Elson on the ball. Hard for Turkaloo to see. Alley-oop. Howard is the buzzer! Dwight Howard climbs through the roof. And the Orlando Magic rides Dwight Howard's incredible physical gifts to a game-winning slam dunk after a game-saving block shot. All right, thanks for tuning in again. So the Magic beat the Spurs 106-104. to uh, before we get into a rundown of the summary and the and the categories here, Penny, do you remember where we were when we were watching this game? I remember distinctly where we were when we were watching this game because it happened at, at my house. And uh, It's a Friday night. Friday night, uh, all the boys hanging out, having a couple beers, watching the game. And uh, I, as the comeback started to progress... And I think before the timeout where Dwight slammed down the game winner, I think I actually said, like, if Dwight wins this game on an alley-oop, I'm going to streak the neighborhood. 
and then I did not pay up on that bet. I think we ran around your living room. I remember jumping around and around your living room. So I'm a freshman at UCF at this time. You guys are all uh, seniors at Boone, and um, I distinctly remembering a lot of running within the living room. Somebody might have ran out the door. I can't recall that, but um, it wouldn't have shocked me at the time. But uh, it's it's one of these games where. Well, we'll talk about it here now, I guess. So the Magic, they start Darko Milicic with uh, Dwight and Jameer, and then Hito Turkoglu and Keith Bogans both start. Uh, but uh, J.J. Redick and Carlos Arroyo end up playing a lot more than Hito and Kibo, which probably works out, I guess, for, for this one for sure. Um, but the Spurs, they have a 44-26 to lead midway through the second quarter um, and lead the game by 11 at halftime. The Magic win the third quarter, 32-21, to as Dwight just starts throwing around his strength, and then Jameer goes nuts to tie it up at 80 apiece, entering the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter comeback is just, it's just a glorious watch. I mean, I posted some, you know, you, you just listened to some of the, the audio from the Spurs broadcast, and on YouTube, you can definitely find um, a few of the clips from uh, the David Steele, uh, Matty Gukas play-by-play, um, but... Just a well-called game, no matter which broadcast you really listen to. Just crazy highlights galore. It's, it's a very memorable fourth quarter. So, Jameer puts on a shooting clinic, and you just see what a physical beast Dwight's becoming at this point. Um, the Magic are down most of the game until Jameer and Dwight give the Magic that brief lead early in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I think it was Jameer made it like 85-84, and it was the first lead since the start of the game, pretty much. And then... The Spurs lead 103-97 with a minute 23 to go. It looks like the Spurs have control of the game. Nope, not happening. Carlos Arroyo dra- drills his 9 millionth leaning jumper. Um, Dwight strips Duncan on the other end, leading to what I can only describe as a delayed fast break from what looks like a very confused and lost J.J. Redick, but he ends up going lefty to the hole, gets an and one against Manu Ginobili, who this is a very athletic Ginobili still, and he can actually defend. And Reddick just makes, like, the greatest basket of his early career at that point. So the Magic are down one with 46 seconds left. Arroyo then gets tagged with an absurd touch foul on Bruce Bowen. Bowen misses both free throws. Duncan gets a loose ball tip out. Jameer intentionally fouls Tony Parker with 24 seconds left. Parker misses a free throw. He splits the pair. Magic are down two, 104-102. And then it's Iso Jameer versus Tony Parker out of the timeout. Nelson just makes this ridiculous running, leaning jumper near the free throw line. And if you're, and we, we, we don't have you know, the full Magic game audio, but if you find the highlight reel, Matty Gukas does his homework and points out that that's the toughest shot for Jameer to make a shot from, and he made it from that spot. So it's tied, 5.9 seconds left. Um, thankfully, Jameer didn't burn the entire clock. Um, and then on the other end, Dwight blocks Tony Parker. Jameer gets the board and the timeout. There's controversy about how much time should be left, but there's 0.8 seconds left. And then it just sets up the finale where Hito, out of bounds, feeds it up to Dwight Howard for the game-winning dunk alley-oop. And it's 0.2 left, but the Spurs do nothing after that, and it's game over, magic win. It's absolutely insane. Um, it's we'll, we'll, get, we'll dive into it here briefly, but um, just a few stats. Jameer, on his 25th birthday, is the game-high score, 31 points, on 12 of 20 shooting, he drilled his two three-point attempts. But, okay, a quick question for you, Penny. Do you 
do you, if you could venture a guess, how many times in his career has Jameer scored 30 or more points, do you think? That's a good question. And I know... I looked it up, and we're counting playoffs as well. Okay, so he had the crazy series against Charlotte. uh, He had two 30-point-plus games in the Charlotte series. His career high, by the way, is 32. So... Yeah. His I career mean, high is 32, but he's had... Say five times in total. It's 10. So wow. two of the eight come in that Bobcats series in 2010. And then obviously he gets one here. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's 10 total. He, um, it's, this is, this 06-07 season is the only time he actually touch, touches 30 points. Um, and then, you know, there's, he, he, his first one comes in 05 and then his last one comes in 2014, but um, it's it's surprising to see that a guy that's that who has a career high of 32 points has managed to get you know 30 or more 10 times, and his career high isn't above 32. That's always a little surprising with me. But um, all right, so we have a 21 year old Dwight Howard voted to his first All Star game. The All Star game is going to happen like a week after this, basically that he that he goes to. Um, he has 30 points. Eight rebounds, which is low for him at this time, uh, but three blocks and four steals. Very, very efficient Dwight Howard, 11 of 14 from the field. Respectable 8 of 12 from the free throw line. I can't complain. Um, And then you have a rookie, J.J. Redick, with the game of his career at this instant. Career high, 16 points off the bench. The Spurs get 24 points and 16 rebounds from Tim Duncan. Uh, There's 21 points from Brent Berry. 18 off the bench for Michael Finley as it looked like Michael Finley was actually going to steal this game from the Magic. And then you get 17 points from Tony Parker. Um, like I said, this game comes a week before the All-Star break. So this Magic team improves to a, a record of 26-25 and 25, uh, for this 06-07 campaign. So Brian Hill's your head coach. Otis Smith this is the GM. Uh, the Magic will finish this season at 40-42. and 42 and sneak into the playoffs as the eighth seed. It'll be the franchise's first postseason appearance since 2003, since uh, since McGrady it choked the uh, the Piston series. But um, you set the stage like <clears throat> as fans, which we kind of just experienced last year, right? Where there's such a long drought in between playoff appearances that even though you're the eighth seed or the seventh seed, there's a lot of excitement building from the fan base throughout the course of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, look, this Magic team doesn't have a stud like like Dwight, you know, but it's there's some parallels to it, I feel like. Obviously, we went seven years with this recent bunch not making right. the postseason, but, I mean, four years back then was a lot. I mean, you know. For, for our franchise. For our franchise, you know, but that was our longest drought since we began as a franchise, and, you know, 89 to finally making the playoffs in 94, you know, so um, – you know, we, we hadn't we hadn't suffered like that, which in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't much suffering when you look at teams like or franchises like the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Sacramento Kings. But for us, it was suffering. So, um, but the Spurs and look last last podcast we we talked about the uh, the Bulls who uh, you know I can't wait for that last dance uh, documentary ten part series to come out uh, here in the next week. But, um, you know, the Magic are going up against this Bulls team that was looking for their second three-peat. And similar to that with this game, the Spurs, who will eventually go on to win their third championship in the last five seasons, three championships, five seasons, 
they fall to a 33 and 17 record. Um, after this game, the Spurs lose in Miami, but then they'll proceed to go on a 13 game win streak. So, some the Magic clearly end up helping wake them up eventually here. But um, the Spurs are healthy for this game. They're only really missing Matt Bonner. Uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised that we don't see Baino Udre in this game because he ends up being a pretty, pretty respectable piece for this for this Spurs team, especially when they have to rely on another former Magic guy in Jacques Vaughn um, in this game. So those are your two former Magic players in this game, Jacques Vaughn and Baino Udre. So, um, oh man. So the Spurs bought broadcast. Oh, so yeah, the Spurs are most are mostly healthy. They're only missing Matt Bonner. The Magic are without Grant Hill, who had actually been playing a decent amount this season, but he he was out for this game. Um, Trevor Ariza. Season where uh, just you know, yeah, yeah. for the Dwight dunk, but that's the season where Grant Hill won the game in, in Portland. Yeah, which uh, it's right yes, well, that, and that's definitely a callback for sure. Um, but this is the season before this is his like most healthy season during his seven year Magic contract, and then he bails for Phoenix after this, pretty much. So, um, but no Grant Hill for this game. Uh, the Magic are also without Trevor Ariza, who's actually in a pretty nice suit. Um, and then Tony Batie and Keon Dueling also are out for this game. So the 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 we only have on YouTube access to the Spurs broadcast, which is Fox Sports Southwest. Um, the Spurs broadcast announcers are Dave Barnett and what I can only deem as a super cocky Sean Elliott um, on the call. And you know, we'll we'll also you know when when we post this podcast, we'll also share you know the YouTube links of the Magic broadcast clips. There's a couple out there with David and Maddie, and they're just having so much fun during this. Um, Look, I, I like yeah. Jeff Turk. There's nothing wrong with him, but uh, I love Maddie Gugas. He called a good game, um, and and obviously he he was such a good commentator that you know he was the national NBC guy for a while too. So well, we, yeah, been, he goes from with our with our broadcast duo. Yeah, so 30, 30 plus years. Yeah, so for Matt with Maddie, it's interesting because you know he goes from being head coach of the, the first head coach of the Magic to then he gets canned. Brian Hill gets handed both. Well, he already has Shaq, but he gets handed Penny, you know, on a silver platter, and then you know the Magic go on that you know go on this run for the next couple of years where Brian Hill's the head coach. But during that time, Matt Gukas is calling a lot of these games because he's the main guy basically for the NBA and NBC. And, you know, a lot of that experience clearly was what made him awesome for these Magic games. But I think one of the reasons, and I, we're never going to know 100% why, you know, Maddie still isn't the play-by-play guy now with David Steele. But um, with Maddie, I think he's, he's almost, that national experience almost hurts him because you don't want to, your broadcast to be a homer broadcast, but... I think he was so equal and so critical sometimes of Magic players that maybe decision makers didn't want that, and that ended up hurting Matt Maddie in the long term. Even though it makes for a really good color guy, so um, yeah. and I mean, look, Jeff and and David are still pretty balanced for the most part. I mean, obviously they want the Magic to win; they'll favor right. the Magic on certain certain situations. But I mean, on the homerism scale compared to the other uh, NBA broadcasts yeah, it's not out like there, we're watching Houston. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. So, 
Um, okay, so the officials for this game are Scott Wall, Zach Zarba, and Richie Adubato's favorite, Monty McCutcheon. Um, the attendance, it's a sellout, 17,451 at the uh, Amway Arena. Um, you ready for the categories? Let's do it. Okay. So, we have the Jack Sweater Vest Guy Nelson, or, sorry, the Jack Sweater Vest Guy Nelson Fashion Award. Um, it's, it's a little, it's slim pickings for me on this one, so... I don't know if there's some baby oil involved, but shout out to Jameer Nelson's jacked arms. I mean, they the, the man was doing a lot of lifting at, at this point. Um, but I I guess I'm going to have to tip, uh, I'm going to go with Brian Hill's hair. Because even now, the man just has good genes, and it's 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 great hair. I, I hope you got a better pick than me on this. I have a couple. Well, first of all, with Brian Hill, you don't realize the man is in his 70s now, and he still has a full head of luxurious gray hair so kudos to him for that for sure yeah but uh on that same jameer nelson tip i have uh this was when he was still rocking the very thick wristband okay uh, it looks cool when he's shooting a jump shot right you're right no yeah it's yeah it's it's a thick wristband Jeez, yeah i got a a couple other the uh every time that they panned to the magic bench i did i was a fan of the full warm-up look like the white top and arms and the blue chest and bottoms it looked kind of clean okay i've always had really good like not just shooting shirts but the full warm-ups have always been more or less they've been hits yeah no i'm I'm with you they look a lot better than the jerseys at least which we can get to later but um yeah it's ooh. you know what i'm gonna go with the uh with the jameer nelson uh armband We'll, we'll, we'll go with that one for the winner. I'm going to give my fashion award. I'm going to have to be uh, okay. uh, contrarian here. I'm going to have to go to Spurs broadcaster Dave Barnett, who paired a mustard yellow shirt with a canary yellow tie. I, I almost, I almost was going to put that uh, at the uh, d- down at the Dominique Wilkins oldie but not a goodie award. But um, he's a human gray poupon bottle. It's it's true. It's it it's a very intriguing look. Um, it's not my favorite, but hey, kudos to the guy for trying. So, uh, fine, we'll, we'll go with it with your thought on that. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go. So okay, uh, most magical uh, most magical momentum move. Um, I'm not picking the Dwight winner for this. So the way I define this momentum award is I'm going for something earlier that kind of leads into it. Cause you're, you're looking for an actual momentum play instead of a play that basically ends the game or wins the game. Right. So I have two nominations. I have the final possession of the third period where Darko Milicic gets an offensive rebound. Then, uh, Bo Outlaw grabs an offensive rebound and then it ends with, uh, Jameer, hitting a huge step back three to tie it at 80 to 80, no matter how much the Spurs broadcast cries about how it should have been a two, it's 80 to 80 at that point. Yeah. Um, and then my other one is, uh, give me the, I'm going, give me the, uh, Redick hesitant and awkward lefty and one layup cutting the Spurs lead to 103, 102 with 46 left seconds left the roof. It, it may as well have blown off the building after this play. Um, JJ has 13 points at halftime and his only second half points come here. So I mean the whole fourth quarter, the whole fourth quarter, the crowd's just begging for him to make one of these missed open threes, basically that he's attempting. But this and one layup is good enough, and Jameer Nelson's holy shit grin kind of clinches it for me. I'm going with that one. But do you have other nominees? Uh, I I have one nominee, but I feel like the Reddick play will win. Going back to kind of the late stages of the third quarter, Carlos Arroyo has this like 
left hand uh, oopsie scoopsie potato like just kind of afterthought shot to the rim that drops down. It's pretty. Immediately, immediately after that shot, then Jameer kind of gets going on his run that you know trans transitions from the third to the four. So uh, I was looking at momentum plays and the fact that that one dropped in the bucket. I thought that kind of got the magic rolling to to tie it and eventually you know pull ahead. That's yeah, that's a good pick. I mean, Arroyo just pulls shots out of his ass in this game and basically his whole Magic tenure, pretty much. But this is yeah. this is just a clinic from Arroyo. He pulls out just just these crazy off balance shots. Like it's unbelievable that he was able to make most of these for this game. Um, but you're gonna agree with me on Reddick? Yeah, the Reddick one is the winner for sure. I mean, because the other thing is he's in Brian Hill's doghouse like the first half of the season, basically, and. I mean, this this literally. I mean, he it's all it's a career high sixteen points for him in this game, but it's by far like it's Red X. Like I'm here, I'm not a bust. Like I just give me an opportunity and I'll, I'll work for it. Kind of moment for him. So, um, and that's why just the Magic fans are just going absolutely crazy because they know he needed this type of game badly. Um, all right, so. Let's go to next award, the Brian Hill clipboard smashing play of the game. So again, this is basically a terrible sequence or situation that would make a coach smash their clipboard. I only have one. Um, hopefully you got more, but this one comes early. It's basically when Brent Berry outscores the Magic by himself the first six minutes of the game. Berry gets three fast break layups by just beating the wing players down the floor, and the Magic don't recover from this slow start until basically the second half of the game. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, so Brian Hill actually did take a timeout 90 seconds into the into the game. It didn't help. <laughs> no, you couldn't have been thrilled about transition defense and letting Brent Barry leak out. I I went the other way on this one because really, like, you know, what what are you going to do after the first quarter stuff? There wasn't a terrible sequence for the Magic, so I thought my clipboard smash sequence would be for for San Antonio on that sequence that you mentioned earlier, where. Uh, I think it ended up being three offensive rebounds. I, I feel like, well, Jameer missed the first shot, but I thought that it kind of got batted around where he got the first offensive rebound. Yeah. Then Darko, and then Bo, and then the, the huge, huge testicular fortitude three-pointer to to can that and tie the game going to the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's, it's – yeah, I think – I think it's on the Darko one where it's kind. He kind he taps it, but then like Jameer ends up picking it up himself off his own missed shot. Like it, it's yeah, it's 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 a really good sequence. And yeah, I, I can see Popovich just steaming for about two minutes in the huddle during that going in between the third and fourth quarter there. So, um, oh man, I, I yeah, we'll we'll go with that one because yeah, if you're the Spurs, it's you've you've had control of the game. I mean, you're up eighteen in the second quarter. You you've had control of the game most most of the way, and then Jameer just starts going off basically, and you're all of a sudden tied with 12 minutes to go. So I, I'm yeah, I'll, I'll go with you on that one. Um, next award, so we got the Richie Adubato best broadcast moment. Um, I have quite the list here for this. So uh, some great moments in the broadcast. Right? Yeah, and if we had like the full tape of the magic game of the magic broadcast we probably have more like uh matty gukas laughing just happily laughing during like during some of the replays like it's it's great um i missed that laugh but uh okay so i have 
Sean Elliott's replay call of the Dwight dunk and just expressing how dumbfounded he is watching a helpless Tim Duncan standing no chance at matching Dwight's elevation for the dunk. Um, it's one of those where <laughs> it's, I mean, Tim Duncan, one of the greatest basketball players ever. He's still technically in his prime at this point in 2007, but I mean, he's already had leg issues and you can tell he's, he's moving around basically on one good leg here, but I mean, Duncan's very, never been known as a very hard punisher knee brace under his knee sleeve at this point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even when he was healthy, Duncan wasn't known as like a, an elevation type of guy. But um, right. it's j- just I, I'm very happy that Sean Elliott pretty much eats his words a couple times during this broadcast. So um, I have a quick shout out for the Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider movie graphic. It's just bizarre. It just it randomly pops up. Um, did you ever watch that movie? I have never actually seen that Nicolas Cage movie. It's okay. You're not missing out on much. It's, uh, I think Ava Mendes is in it, but it's like a really bad Nick Cage haircut in, involved, and it's it's not a great film. Um, it's The graphic was just reminding me, like, oh, yeah, it's 2007. Yeah, that, that's cool. Um, Sean Elliott is just a dick in this game. He's picking on J.J. Reddick's Duke background and shooting style, and then he says, like, Dwight shoots his free throws with T-Rex arms. Just, he's... He's throwing zingers, and he has the cockiness of a guy that's on a franchise that is super successful. Let's just put it that way. I have three more. Um, the, the Spurs broadcast said that Keith Bogans was the second ever four-year starter at DeMatha High School. Just random fact out of the blue. Adrian Dantley is the only other player ever, and this is the high school now where, I mean, you have guys like Victor Oladipo and Markel Fultz have come out of it, but... Um, just I forgot Keith Bogans was that good ever, including high school. So, um, yeah. and then two more. So uh, here's a this is a quote. Well, Jameer Nelson decided to give himself a 25th birthday present. Yeah, that's that's very true. He they, he did. Uh, it's it's I, I, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But I completely forgot that this is a Jameer Nelson birthday game. I did not know that as he's going off, it's his birthday. And then. Sean Elliott being so upset that the Magic went for the tie with 24 seconds left rather than the win, even though it works out and it's a success for the Magic. He's just incredulous and just unhappy. Um, do you have nominees? Uh, I have a handful of nominees. I'm going to start with the uh, clip that you actually uh, included in the open where uh, after Dwight Howard gets the block, the game-preserving block on Tony Parker, he gets compared to a young Wilt Chamberlain. Ah, yeah. Chamberlain-esque, yeah. Um, it was also funny. And they weren't talking about sex either. <laughs> well, not, not at that time. No, they didn't uh, know. No one knew. Yeah. yeah. Sean Elliott was, uh, you know, even with the uh, the confidence of being a part of the Spurs broadcast for, you know, and, and a championship player, he was kind of even-handed in that he heaped a lot of praise on a lot of Magic players, including... Uh, continually talking about Darko's eventual prominence and comparing him to a vintage 2000 line that just needed additional time, you know. Is Detroit going to get, uh, are they going to get pissed at themselves first for drafting him over, you know, Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and then from giving him away? I think so. This guy's going to be great. <laughs> I believe I have that in another category, yeah. but it's very well, well worth bringing up. So, then it, have, And then they cut to halftime where the magic i guess were honoring the uh the florida gator national title team so they had quarterback chris leak who uh football fans will remember was not tim tebow 
they, no, but he deserves a lot more respect than what he's gotten. So they had him at half court, and Bo Outlaw comes out and tries to tackle him, which is kind of funny. But if you think about Chris Lee going from celebrated national championship Florida Gator football player to uh, not-so-good arena league quarterback to disgraced high school uh, football coach at Edgewater High School for things that uh, may or may not be alleged. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a steep fall. Uh, that, that also could probably go in another category. But my winner, uh, or, you know, I'm, this is the one that I'm bringing to the table, the best broadcast moment was uh, Angel Soft Toilet Paper sponsoring one of the stat reviews. Uh, in, in these uh, unparalleled and uncertain times, I thought that uh, – the toilet paper sponsorship for the stats would be my best broadcast moment. That's a good pick. I'm going to go with Sean Elliott being so upset that the magic went for the tie rather than the win late. It's, it's, it's one of those where it's like, okay, it worked. You're, you know, it's okay, dude, calm down. But uh, there's a lot of really good moments. Uh, I just thought of something, but if Bo Outlaw played football, what position would he play? Would it be a defensive end? He's six eight, like, and absurdly athletic, and 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 crazy nonstop motor. So yeah, put him on the end and let him chase the quarterbacks around, right? God, that that would be crazy. That that'd be ridiculous. Um, all right. So next category, we have the Brian Cook Heat Check Award. I only have two. Uh, one is definitely gonna probably win, but um, the There's first. Only one right the first nomination, though, is uh, J.J. Redick is just slinging it, just slinging up shots late in the second period to make it a respectable de- deficit going into the break. Um, you know, he has 13 points at halftime, just some very key shots in in the second period, basically, and the crowd's really like waking up, like, oh damn, we can, we, we might actually have a shot in this game. So that was my other nominee too, and I think it was keyed by there's there's a play where. It's a, it's a delayed fast break. He dribbles to the wing. He's looking to get the ball to, to Dwight Howard for like half a second. Decides he can't make the entry pass, so he just jacks the three right in Brent Barry's eye. Yeah. Like, just absurd for a rookie J.J. Redick who's getting shit on repeatedly by Brian Hill to let that one fly and then can it. Absolutely. He, again, he, he needs this game really badly. Um, the other one, which is definitely the winner, um, Jameer Nelson, with two two to three minutes to go in the third period, just starts putting on a jumper clinic, and it continues. You know, he ties the game, 80-piece going to the fourth, but it continues early in the fourth where he gives the Magic their first lead at 85-84 early in the fourth. And then, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a crazy stretch. He scores 16 straight Magic points. 16. Sean Elliott calls him unconscious. 16 straight Magic points. It gets to the point where the Spurs broadcast says they would rather let Dwight Howard shoot from the paint than let Jameer take another contested jumper. It's it's unbelievable. Um, you didn't have any other nominees, right? That is the only winner. Yeah, it's gosh, Jameer is just unbelievable in this game. Um, okay, next the Illumide Oyadeji that guy award. So you know I want to go with Travis Diener here, but. I'm going with a 31-year-old Fabrizio Alberto in his second NBA season. He looks like a homeless guy with that beard. It's a smart signing for the Spurs to have him as a bench partner with Manu Ginobili, his fellow countryman. But that's my pick for that. I don't know if you got any others, but Alberto really looks like a homeless guy. Alberto's real He looks like the comedian <clears throat> Cristalia, real bad. Like, it's close. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So my, uh, 
my that guy award goes to a man on the bench. I don't know if that's allowed, but we're breaking all the rules in quarantine. Here. I'll allow it. Uh, actually, we'll we'll run down the list of the entire Magic assistant coaching staff first, which was interesting. We have Mark Bryant, who was the original uh, after Clifford, uh, you know, put my foot in the toilet and flush it, Ray. <laughs> the, big, the original big man coach for Dwight Howard. Mark Bryant actually got pretty high praise uh, around the league and from Dwight himself for some of that initial skill building in the pros. Absolutely. Um, also had John Huster, who ended up being the uh, head coach. Well, he was an assistant in Cleveland mm-hmm. and ended up getting the head coaching job for the Detroit Pistons before there was a player mutiny. So right in line with Brian Hill tyranny. <laughs> we have Moreland Wiley. Oh, Moreland Wiley. Who somehow hung on the Magic coaching staff through multiple regimes and then obviously played for the Magic in the inaugural, yeah. Yep. We have Tom Sterner, who's an original Brian Hill coaching staff, used to run the video, uh, you know, the video scouting on the on the pregame shows like in the early mid nineties, so that was always fun. Yeah, his daughter's on the uh, Magic Media team now, so yeah, but Tom Sterner has a great run but with, with the Magic franchise. It's awesome. I love Tom Sterner. So that's the rest of the coaching staff outside of Brian Hill. And then the lead assistant, I'm not sure if you'll remember, is Randy Ayers. Yeah. He was an assistant, I think, for, I'm going to say three seasons with the Magic. It might have been two full seasons. He's actually still coaching in the league right now for Phoenix as an assistant. So he's gotten a long tenure. But I distinctly remember him getting a technical foul as an assistant coach more than one time. Okay. Which is not really what you want to do as an assistant coach. No, not when... Basketball. I was going to say, not when Brian Hill can easily get his own technicals. Like, if you have, like, a guy that's more on, like, the good nature side, like, sometimes you need an assistant coach that'll pick up a tech. Like, yeah. but I don't think Brian Hill needed the help. So, I think Randy Ayer is just kind of kind of out there. So, do you have another one? That was, that was, that was my that guy, just uh, looking at one of the timeouts and seeing his mustache and going, hey, wait a minute. Um, I'm going to go with Oberto, but again, we, we don't have to agree on the award. If you want to go with that, go for it, but I'm going Oberto. That's fair. Okay, next category, the Johnny Davis Coaching Botch Award. Uh, I have three nominees. Um, let's see. I have Brian Hill rolling with a Dwight Howard, Bo Outlaw, Redick, Jameer, Arroyo lineup, which does work in the middle of the fourth quarter. But he stuck with it, I thought, too long. And that's why we end up being down six with 90 seconds left. Um, Two more. 0.2 seconds left. The Spurs looked like they had no play coming out of the timeout. They're just shell-shocked. It's just like a limp backboard ball toss with no Spurs player movement. I mean, you have a dunk champion in Brent Berry. I know he's 35 years old, but, I mean, you have a dunk champion there. You could have drawn some screens for him. Or guess what? You have Manu Ginobili, who's probably more athletic than him at that point who could get to the rim. Um, I just thought that Popovich kind of just threw in the towel with that. I thought they could have had something better on that. And then I am going with this next one, though. I think my pick's going to be uh, Popovich is not getting the ball out of Jameer's hands with uh, 24 seconds left. Yeah, Jameer has to make a super tough shot over Tony Parker, but Jameer's on fire in this second half. And at that point, you just got to make someone else do it. Even if it's if you if Dwight gets the ball, you can always hack him when you're you know in that situation. Yeah. So I, I'm going with that one. Popovich just doesn't get the ball to Jameer's hands. Yeah, uh, my worst coaching move. I have two nominees on both of them. I guess because we're in jovial moods, right? Mm-hmm. Watching this game, but it's going a 
to, to Greg Popovich, too. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they decided to double Dwight Howard. Um, at that time, you know, he had the spin cycle moved down and the robotic left-hand half hook, but he wasn't really a force in the paint yet. Not yet. Uh, Not yet. The, the double teams were either ineffective uh, or came too late or Dwight made the simple pass out, and I think that kind of got, like, Reddick going and got Jameer comfortable and, and some open, uh, even, like, you know, Darko and Bo got a couple duckins off the bad double teams. Um, and then also, the worst coaching move mm-hmm. uh, was playing Jock Vaughn so much. <laughs> okay, we're going with that one. I don't need I don't need any more explanation. We're going to go with that one. But, yeah, go on. Maybe he didn't play that much, but it seemed like he was on the floor a lot. And maybe I'm just mad about his coaching stint here. Uh, or maybe looking at watching that game reminded me of his year with the Magic. Or maybe reminding me of his year with the Magic playing made me think about his year with the Atlanta Hawks where he started the season 0 for 22 from the field in the first four games that he played and still somehow played another 27 years in the NBA after that. So uh, I think Jack Vaughn being on the floor so much, especially in the third quarter as the Magic made their run, uh, I would play anybody else, maybe get Bano off the bench. I was going to say, Bano, he, I don't think he was on the injury list, so I don't know if he was just benched or what, but Jacques Vaughn plays almost 15 minutes in this game, which is about eight, two more than he should have gotten. So it's, yeah, it's, hey, I'm not complaining. I mean, look, Vaughn went two of three from the field, but it's, he's a, he was a minus three on the floor. So that's what won the game was Jacques Vaughn being on the court. So that's it. <laughs> uh, next cat. So yeah, we're going Jacques Vaughn for sure. Um, and then hopefully, I'm hoping that, this NBA season continues because I want the Magic to catch Brooklyn and get that seventh seed. They're a half game back of Brooklyn for the seventh seed. Jacques Vaughn's now the interim head coach for the Nets, and I I just want them to, to leapfrog the Nets. So if we can get that done. I think we only need like five games to get that done probably. So yeah. um, Next category, the Stan Van Gundy Best Coaching Decision Award. I only have one, so I hope you got more nominees, but... Um, I have Brian Hill subbing Hito in for Bo with the Magic down six with a minute 23 left. Hito's having a bad game. It's it's not a good game for him, but his length and versatility on both ends hold value here, even if you don't notice him on the court until that perfect inbound pass at the end of the game. So that's my nominee. But, I mean, it's not a, it's not a strong game from Hito by any sense. He plays 21 minutes. He's, yeah, it's not a good Turk game. It's... And this is the season before his his beastly season that he should have been an all-star, but instead he had to settle for most improved player. But um, he's 3 of 9 from the full floor in 21 minutes, and it's just not a good stint for him. But, I mean, he's a plus 4, so it, it worked out for him. But um, you got any nominees here? I have two nominees, and I hope I, – I just pray to God that Brian Hill is listening to this podcast because <laughs> – I, this should absolve me. This should absolve all of us for firebrianhill.com. He didn't start using the internet till like 2009, okay? This should absolve all of us for uh, eating Taco Bell tacos in one bite and being featured in the Orlando Weekly. Uh, first of all, force-feeding Dwight Howard post-ups in the first quarter I thought was a smart move for Brian Hill uh, long-term to kind of uh, hope that he continues to keep his job. Uh, and right. also in the short term to keep Howard engaged and motivated and, uh, uh, you know, battling Tim Duncan throughout the course of the game. But the the best coaching move 
was a very strict, typically a very strict and conservative Brian Hill electing to go one four flat at the end of the game and to let Jameer create the game tying bucket at the end of the fourth where uh, not only did he not run a set play, but he also didn't uh, bring Dwight up or bring anyone up to set a pick, which would create either a switch, which would either you know put a, a bigger, longer person on Jameer and not let him get a shot up, or to cause congestion. So uh, to to have a like we said, a very short, <laughs> tyrannical man uh, uh, go laissez faire in his approach at the end of the game, I thought was uh, the best coaching move. Let the hot hand go. I I can roll with that. Do you have one more, or was that it? That's it. All right, yeah, we'll go with that one for uh, SVG, Best Coaching Decision Award. Okay, next category, Best, huh, I forgot about that moment. Again, I had no clue it was Jameer's birthday. Spurs ate a ton in the broadcast. I just, I can't, I just don't didn't recall it until I rewatched this game. And then uh, Keith Bogans gets a technical foul, setting the stage for Reddick getting into the game early. But also Dwight ends up picking a technical foul, which was rare back then. Dwight's not picking up too many technicals unless he's accidentally throwing elbows. So it's just interesting. I had a couple more. Um, Carlos Arroyo has a solid 12 points and 7 assists on 6 of 9 shooting. But almost all of his shot attempts are taken completely off balance. And I just, I, I forget that. Like, I, I would have figured maybe two or three of them. But literally, like, all of them are off balance. And then, um, I, it was the game again reminded me, too, that uh, Carlos Arroyo used to be damn good at feeding Dwight alley-oops. And I feel like Hito picks up some of that off of Arroyo. Um, I don't know if you got a couple nominees. I got a couple. I, there was one play, I think it was midway through the, well, probably right after Bogan's got that technical foul, where rookie J.J. Redick is the ball handler in a pick and roll with elder statesman Bo Outlaw. Yeah. Which is not, uh, at that point in time, not exactly the offensive stylings that you're looking for, but it makes you remember how bad J.J. Redick was on defense early in his career. Like, just consistently getting torched by Matt Carroll of the Charlotte Bobcats. And then, like, even when he was in a good position defensively, people would just drill contested shots over him at will. So uh, you, you understand why Brian Hill had him in the doghouse, but also he got a bad shake of the, you know, like, people just saw him and lit him up. Yeah. Uh, regardless. You- yeah, there's some there's some Duke uh, Duke uh, carryover hatred involved with that For too. Sure. My forgot about that moment is uh, the happy fans receiving the distribution of the uh, oversized long white and blue balloons at halftime, mm. or when they're sitting behind the basket to distract the opposing team free throw shooters. Yeah, now the uh, the thunder sticks, right? Whatever. They, well, they used to do like actual the you know like animal balloon. balloon oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, either, they used to bring them out to the fans at halftime when the teams changed sides and people went apeshit for the balloons. Now you get thunder sticks. Now everyone gets them. But it used to be just for those end sections in the arena uh, behind the basket. Yeah, they used to. Yeah, they used to. I don't know. I, I feel like there was a point they used to actually drop them from the ceiling, but and th- yeah, but then, right. yep. but but for this game, I think they just hand them out. But still, you're right. Yeah, it's they. Not everybody got one, and in that regard, I actually like that because only the people that actually wanted to use them got them. So it's I'm a fan of that. So, um, oh man. So is that the one you want to go with? Is the balloons? That's the one that I like for <clears> me, just because I I'm a fan of nostalgia for the old. Uh, 
Arena and Amway Arena. Yeah, let's roll with that. Okay, next category. Best, best musical performance. This is Slim Pickens, but I got two. Um, I have the microphones on the rim just enhancing the sound of buckets being made and clink shots. All of Dwight's dunks just sound fantastic. They sound like he's creating like a 6.8 on the Earthquake Richter scale. Like, it's it's unbelievable. And then the only other one I have is uh, shout out to Casey and the Sunshine Bands. Uh, Get Down Tonight song being played. Just upbeat classic song. So, I don't know if you got a couple. I have nothing new. I think yours <clears throat> is the best. I, I like, again, the one bow outlaw bucket gets the Wild West, uh, Old West uh, <laughs> In, music yeah. after, after, afterwards. Yeah. And then we, we obviously, we time and again, we're both fans of Paul Porter, but you know I'm a huge fan of the Here Come the Magic! Here come the magic! Yeah, it's he gives uh, one with like 20 seconds left in the first quarter. So yeah, he's he's into up. it. And then and then there's an intermission, but then he really gives a good one like during that third quarter, fourth quarter run to, to get people like just fucking ape shit before the game winner. So uh, that's and that's not even music, but we're shoehorning it in there. It counts as musical performances. It counts as musical performance. I'm going to go with the mics on the rim. I feel like we, we don't come anywhere near that nowadays with broadcasts. So I just like the mics on the rims for this one. Um, next category, we have the Tree Rollins Oldie But a Goodie Award. So basically what's aged well here? Uh, going to go with the 35-year-old Brent Berry. Still hitting a ton of threes. Looking very spry. Um... Man, I, I have a couple other ones. Uh, I'm going with the Magic logo. Um, this Magic logo, the one that's on center court, it might be my favorite franchise logo. Um, we can talk about the OG, the original logo, but depending on the day, I'm a big fan of this logo being used you know, for this this game in 07. So, a um, couple more. You talked about the Magic coaching assistant staff. I'm just going to bring up a couple of Greg Popovich's Spurs assistants at this point which include P.J. Carlissimo, Mike Budenholzer, coaching the Bucks, maybe to a championship. We'll see here with Giannis Adetokounmpo. And Brett Brown, who may or may not lose his job with the Sixers, but again, high-profile guy. And there's a few other guys that I don't mention that are that are lower on the totem pole, or at least lower, lower notoriety-wise. But um, that's aged really well. Just a stacked coaching staff. And, I mean, that's why this this franchise is, uh, is about to go on to w- win their third championship in five seasons during this 06-07 season just a stacked coaching staff um what else has aged well just throwing passes up in the air and seeing Dwight just soar up there and slamming them down with ease there's that stint in the fourth quarter where it's like a Roy uh, it's uh I can't remember if it's a Royal who does it first or it's Jameer I think I think it's Jameer throws the alley-oop first at Dwight, and then literally like a minute later, Arroyo throws one up to Dwight, and it's it's just great. It's just it's easy buckets. Just throw it up there, and Dwight's throwing it down. Um, my winner, though, it's it's going to be that final play. It's it's just it, the, whole, the whole way it's shot, the whole way it's called, be it if you're listening to the Magic call or the Spurs call, it's just great just theater, just that last play. You're in the timeout. Dwight's screaming out of the huddle because he's got so much adrenaline running through him after the timeout, and he knows he's getting this ball. You got Sean Elliott warning to watch out for the play going at the rim. You got Jameer cutting into the paint, which momentarily distracts Tim Duncan and almost gets a Spurs triple team on him, basically. And then Hito doing that little side tilt thing, 
<laughs> right before he chucks the ball up in, at the rim. It's just it's beautiful. Both the Magic and Spurs broadcast nail it perfectly. I feel like Dwight making Duncan look as unathletic as possible is just it's 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 insane. And then just the crowd reaction. You have Jameer jumping like a madman. Trevor Reza is in a is in a nice suit. He's just elated. He's shaking Brian Hill's hand. And then Arroyo's jumping ass first into Dwight celebrating. The only thing that sucks about this play is that the refs put point two on the clock instead of calling game basically. Um, I don't know what you want to go with or what other nominees you got, but I'm going with just how that final play is just shot. Yeah, that's that's what aged the best for sure because uh, there's just not a lot of plays like that in Magic history. I have a couple nominees. One is uh, the Darko fly slaughter, uh, like a long-armed Orlando block machine. I think his Orlando stint ages well, and you forget how well Darko played that uh, there was at the time uh, the the decision was either basically to keep Darko or to sign Richard Lewis, and there was some back and forth about which way the Magic should go. Obviously, it was a different NBA at the time, but people forget uh, Darko played two seasons with the Magic, right? Uh, it's a and, season and a half, but this is his this is his full uh, season. This is his one full so Magic season. Up until uh, Jonathan Isaac uh, went on a tear this year. Darko was top 10 all time for career blocks. He had 202 blocks during his magic tenure. Yeah, it's the Serbian swatter. He he's he's coming up in another category for me, but um that's okay. yeah, it's that, that's good. Any others? Yeah, uh Michael <clears throat> Finley aged well. Uh in this game he's 33 years old. He scores 18 points on 70% shooting from the field, 60% shooting from beyond the arc. Uh, and also, he wins a championship this year. So uh, I thought his his shooting stroke uh, from this game and his whole career age as well. Fair. Uh, anything else? You're the winner. The last play. The final play. Yeah, it's 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 just perfect. It's 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 wonderful, and it's it's Dwight's only game winner I think of his life, and it's yeah, it's it's unbelievable. So um, next category: the Dominique Wilkins Oldie Not a Goodie Award. So basically, what's aged bad here? Um, those hideous Magic jerseys. Um, it's the worst font ever. No pinstripes. They're really, really baggy and just a lot of fabric weight to carry around. Um, just not my favorite jersey. I mean, it's my, it's my least favorite jersey in Magic history. I think I liked that white one a little bit better than the blues, but it's not saying much. It's just, it's just a bad... Like, you go from the crazy fonts and jerseys of the 90s to then you see like the NBA like pulls back and it's like we got to get super conservative with these and then they figured out oh crap we did too much these are too boring so now we're living in an age where I mean there's way more jerseys than ever there's teams that have like four or five jerseys now easily per season and you know it's it's better creativity wise for the most part although I have my complaints with with some of with our some of our jerseys but um, this these jerseys during this stint are just are bad I, I hate these. Um, couple more. Again, Hito doesn't have a good game, and he just looks aimless without the ball in his hands in this Brian Hill system. Just the inbound pass winner saves him, game winner saves him. But I mean, Stan Van Gundy is going to be a godsend for Hito in the next year. So, um, and then two more. Sean Elliott, which you mentioned earlier, but he's constantly saying Darko was going to become a big time player in the league. Just does not age well. Um, 
just a freezing cold take on that. And then, I'm sorry, Dante Marcatelli, but that facial hair has got to go, man. It's a bad look. Stick with the clean shave look. It's it's not good, man. It's it's not it's not my it's not a good look for you, man. So. Poor, poor Dante Marcantelli. I'm a real asshole, but my favorite is rewatching the uh, post-game Dwight interview and realizing that it's still the exact same questions and the exact same order get, that get asked to the players during during post-game interviews today. So, so just, so just uh, take us through that last play. Just take us through that last play. Okay. And what? It, and what is this? Uh, what? What does this win mean to you? Okay. But what is this? What is this win? do for the momentum moving forward and it's the same three questions hey man man's man's made a 15 man man's made like a two-year decade a two-year a two-decade career off of it so i it's it clearly they don't hate it so Uh, he's he's done great to go from radio to tv he's he's doing well uh, what's aged poorly for me is the three out two in basketball that we're watching on both ends of the floor with two big plotting uh, oafs where you have Duncan and Elson, Duncan and Oberto, and then you have Dwight and uh, Darko, and then when Darko's on the bench, you have Bo, who's not a plotting <laughs> fit, but also not really a threat from the outside, so watching this game again in comparison to today's NBA, you go, eh, that didn't age so well. I feel kind of, uh, I mean, Bo, again, comes up with hustle plays, but you can just see just the ten year difference between this game and the last game we did with the Bulls. I mean, there's just a lot of miles on those legs, man. And he's he's still doing some good stuff, Bo. But it's you can tell, man. It's 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 a lot a lot of years in the NBA wore him out. But um, oh man, which one do I? I, I got to go with the hideous Magic jerseys. They they look like dog shit, and it's it's just bad. Um, it's I don't know if you put your foot down for anything or not. But. I, I hated them at the time, so I still hate them now. Um, most magical shot, so most important bucket in the game. Dwight's dunk is the choice, but Jameer's Nelson, Jameer Nelson's jumper to tie it at 104 apiece is is very high on the difficulty scale. I'm going with Dwight's dunk, but you can, you know, I, I don't know if you got a different one. Uh, I have a couple. There's, you know, there's one winner, and I think that it's probably the Dwight bucket. But Carlos Arroyo hits the uh, one of one of the patented fading, leaning off balance shots to cut it to four with yeah. a minute fifteen left. This is true. Set stage for the Reddick and one. If he doesn't hit that shot, then we're still down six, and you know the the comeback probably doesn't happen. But I'm gonna give uh, one of the unsung Jameer Nelson shots some more play, which is obviously he hit the three to tie it at 80 at the end of the third, Mm -hmm. but he hits an unconscious pull-up jump shot to give the Magic an 85-84 lead pretty early in the fourth quarter. Yep. Uh, First Magic lead since the first bucket of the game, Mm -hmm. and oftentimes, as you know, uh, the NBA is a league of runs, but the the runs kind of peter out before a lead change takes place, and you spend so much energy to get close time and again that they never kind of get over the hump. Uh, and I think that shot just psychologically gives the Magic the confidence that they, you know, they they pulled back in front and now they have the confidence to stay in the fight and close it out. That's fair. Yeah, it's 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 got to be the Dwight dunk, but it's yeah, it's it is some clutch shots galore in this game. It's it's really it's such a fun watch. Um, all right, is anyone at their peak here? So I have three things listed. I have uh, Francisco Elson for the Spurs. Five points per game at 30 years old, but that's his best season ever in the NBA. 
Uh, he's about to win a ring, and then he's coming. I mean, this is coming two years after ending Kelvin Cato's career, basically, with the shoulder thing. So I still hate that guy. Um, but this is probably his peak. And then there, we, we talked about it with Darko, but there's a good case that a 21-year-old Darko Milicic, um, you know, this this is probably his best season in the NBA because the Magic trade for him and Carlos Arroyo the year before. Again, this is his only full season in Orlando. Eight points per game, 1.8 blocks per night. He plays a career-best 80 games this season, most of them off the bench. But, I mean, he's a valuable piece. And, again, he's 21 years old. I mean, we look back now, it's like, you know, people complain that about the contract that we gave Rashard Lewis. But, I mean, someone was going to give him a ton of money, you know, whether we did it or not. Someone was going to do it. But there was that debate, like, Hey, should we actually? We might be better off keeping Darko, you know, and going with something else other than Rashard. But they, you know, and obviously, this ends up working out where we we wave bye to Darko, and he doesn't he doesn't pan out ever again. I mean, he he has a decent run with Minnesota for a bit there, but I mean, his best season is this one with the Magic, I think. Um, I have one other one, and it's the. Uh, the peak of the peak might be here for Brian Hill out of timeout plays. You mentioned it before, but they had done a similar one early in the season with the Grand Hill layup in Portland, and Matty Gukas on the Magic broadcast calls that out right before Hito throws the ball to Dwight. But um, it's, I, I, yeah, I, I'm gonna pick this. Brian Hill out of timeout plays are at their peak here because I can't recall a lot of phenomenal ones like that that he did with you know in any Magic tenure for him. I mean, I don't recall a lot of out of I don't recall out of bound plays for Penny or Shaq going to the rim. So I don't know what you got. Choice. I, I, yeah, I was thinking Darko, but then I remembered he did kind of have a nice little run in Memphis too. It's uh, not nearly as good as this. Plus, I mean, they I can't remember how much money they gave him, but like they, it couldn't have been too much. But it, they just they weren't happy with the contract like immediately and. He has his probably his most famous or infamous moment is in Memphis where he gets thrown out of the game and he like rips a huge hole through the middle of his jersey. Like, yeah, that, I I thought Greg Popovich potentially you could consider if you if you call a peak a ten year period, but he's probably still at his peak as he's guiding the team to another championship in two thousand seven. But my choice was anyone at their peak. Uh, Manu Ginobili was uh, with his hair. His hair was at his peak. Ah, there's a bald spot showing at this point. It's too late. That's gone by. I spot that bald spot in this game. All right, all right. We'll give it to Brian Hill. Okay. Um, which player comes out of this game looking the best? I mean, Dwight gets a lot of great quotes thrown his way, but I, it's got to be Jameer, right? It's 24 second-half points. He goes on that stretch where he scores 16 points consecutively for the Magic. Tie the game a 104 piece. He set the stage up for the defensive stop and the Dwight winner. But, I mean, look, I know this is Dwight's only game winner ever, and but Jameer just sets this all up. And, again, it's Jameer only has 10 career games where he scores 30 or more points. And, I mean, this is at a time where, you know, we don't know. He's trying to hold on to this starting point guard job permanently, like, you know, we did the thing where in his rookie season where he would partner with Steve Francis and Spurts in the backcourt. But then, like, when he gets the job, it's he's fighting off Carlos Arroyo. He's fighting off Keon Dueling. So um, this is one of those games where it's like, okay, Jameer, you're you're definitely the guy. But there's there's a period during this time where it's like, 
I don't know, man. A guy like Arroyo or Dooling might be able to take this job from him. So I'm going with Jameer for this. I don't know what you got. Yeah, Tony, well, Tony Parker <clears throat> doing Tony Parker things, although it wasn't a superb game. Uh, but that's the best point, right? If you go back in time to 2007, Jameer Nelson, they actually yank him from the starting lineup in place of Carlos Arroyo, and they're kind of yep. going with him mentally. So... Uh, and they're playing Travis Diener actual meaningful minutes too. Like they're throwing. They go, how can we get another white guy on the floor? Like, how, what's the what's the maximum number? Can we get Diener and Reddick on the no? Too much, too much. So uh, I think Jameer Nelson uh, showing his mental fortitude uh, and and looking like a guy who you can literally put the ball in his hands and just have him create at the end of the game too comes out looking the best. All right. So that's it. That's gonna do it for another uh, another uh, se- a segment of magic uh, magical movies. So we're gonna have more coming your way. Um, do want to talk about just a few topics for the current magic team. So Carmelo Anthony in a live stream on Dwayne Wade's Instagram uh, because of course D Wade's getting involved in this. But he said that uh, Carmelo said that his Denver Nuggets would have beat the Magic in the two thousand nine finals. Um, had they met, but and that it would have been a sweep in favor for Denver, and then George Carl agreed on Twitter. Um, I personally would have had the Magic in five games winning this, but um, I don't want to dive too much into matchups or stuff. Yeah, they got Chauncey Billups, but the Magic had already broken that Detroit curse a few years before, and I'm not I'm not concerned about uh, you know Dwight. I, I don't I don't think Nene against Dwight. Um, it, it helps helps the Denver too much, I don't think. So, um, I, I think the Magic win that series. I don't know if you got any thoughts or not or whatever. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I if we played Denver, we would have a banner in the arena right now. Uh, at that time, was Carmelo a better player than LeBron? Man, no. Well, no, um, no, no. 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 So, I, we, and we have, well, I, I will say in, in Melo's defense, I will say in Carmelo's defense, this is coming off 2008 Olympics. So this is, I think, Carmelo's best season maybe ever in the league. But um, no, I mean, look, he's not better than LeBron at this you know, point. We got Richard, we got very long-arm, difficult defenders. And then you have Dwight Howard on the back line. Like, I, I don't... I wish we were to play Denver. Yeah, I... I mean, you look at the Lakers series, it's, look, yeah, they got Kobe, but Kobe did Kobe stuff. Like, Kobe didn't do anything out of the ordinary in in that final series. You know, it's it's the supporting cast. Pau Gasol has a really great series. And then supporting cast, guys, like, you got Lamar Odom, you got Derek Fisher hits that huge clutch shot, game four, and then you also have Trevor Reza, who's just a pain in our ass the whole series. Denver doesn't have those type of guys. Yeah, they got like J.R. Smith who might pull out pull a good game out of his ass here or there, but like Denver doesn't have the guys that the Magic feared like the Lakers had basically, or the Mad, you know. And then also it's it's the Lakers, you know, the Lakers ha- have experience as a franchise, you know, being in, in on that big stage, whereas you know the the Nuggets were in the same boat as the Magic at this point, so it's. I, I think the Magic win this series, and I'll leave it at that. So, um, John Hollinger of The Athletic, he shared his thoughts about uh, Magic player options and if Magic players should, you know, should pick him up or, or whatever. So I'll go through these pretty quickly, but 
Um, for Melvin Frazier, he's got like a well, – the Magic have a – I believe a team option. Yeah, the Magic have a team option for like $1.6 million on Melvin Frazier, who's done absolutely nothing. And Hollinger's verdict was um, was no pretty much that the Magic shouldn't pick up like a team option. And then um, – you know, it's there's a there's a chance where you could technically say bye to him and and re-sign him in the off season at a cheaper deal. Which, if the Magic care for for the guy, they they can do that then. But um, another one here though is uh, Evan Fournier. Uh, you know, what's the verdict on Fournier? Um, you know, should he pick up his seventeen million dollar player option or or try to seek uh, money elsewhere. And, I mean, there's there's not a lot of teams that can sign them out, right? I mean, you got Atlanta, Charlotte, Detroit. Um, you know, maybe maybe Atlanta can can think about it. But, I mean, if I'm Fournier, $17 million, the cap's going to go down a lot because of what's going on with COVID-19 and then earlier in the, in, earlier in the season with the China issues. Um there may not be a lot of money out there, so if if the Magic want to actually sign him long term, now's your chance to try and get him on a on a hopefully a team friendly contract. So, um, and then one other one is uh, you know James Ennis, he's due like a two million dollar player option his way. Hollinger thinks that uh, he he should not pick up that option. He's he can get like a biannual exception or something for two and a half million. So it's a couple hundred thousand dollars, but that's a big deal when you're making two million. So, um, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on all that? I mean, I personally don't care about Frazier. I'd much prefer keeping a one do over Frazier, but the way one do got thrown in the doghouse by Clifford lately again, I'd be surprised if we retain him. So, um, I don't know what your thoughts on these guys. Yeah. I don't think we've seen anything, obviously very <laughs> limited chances, but I don't think we've seen anything about Melvin Frazier that puts him head and shoulders above any of the other, uh, fringe G league players to take a flyer on. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. Fournier, the, the thing about Fournier is that I think in his personal life, it mimics on the court that he just has a rational confidence. So, you know, maybe he will opt out and test the waters anyway, just because he feels like he's going to get uh, whatever big money is left available, regardless of the financial constraints based on the budget or anything else. Uh, and then in terms of NSA, you would think that he would get more money or a, like, like we said, a clear path to playing time elsewhere. You have to remember that we still have Al Farouk Aminu on the roster too, who probably uh, in spite of his poor play this year before the injury, uh, I think you would slot him in ahead of, of Ennis uh, for next season. Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, if you can if you if you can keep Ennis for even two and a half million, I'd sign up. He's been pretty good so far. Um, and then Fournier, like I, I would prefer to if you if you can sign and trade him, I would very much prefer to do that. Um, but I I'd rather let him walk and sign him for another four or five years because it's then, then you're stuck. Then, then you got what you got. So, um, I would, I would not, I would not bring Fournier back. That's just my thing. So, um, but who knows if we ever get in any more of this regular season, or if we get into the playoffs, maybe Fournier can change our mind. So let's see. Um, all right. Lastly, the Magic are really trying to make progress on their uh, health and practice facility, which is just, a, which is going to be just a few blocks from Amway Center. So, they may break ground in June. 
and it might be ready by September of 2021. So that's really fast. And I think that um, this might be an underrated 2021 free agency recruiting tool. Uh, you with me on that? You got any thoughts on this thing? Uh, I think it's important, like we said, uh, you, the NBA is an arms race, right? So mm-hmm. anything that we can do to keep pace and hopefully, uh, the, I think there was the, an executive order from the governor to ramp up the, the, the progress on I-4 Ultimate too, so uh, that, that would help. I mean, now's the time to do it, man. I mean, look, you don't, I mean, you still have people on the roads, but it's not nearly, the, it's, it's nowhere near close to the amount of traffic you would get normally. I mean, now's the time, like, to fix fix infrastructure in general really is during this you know if you got people working safely and you know not 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 exposing themselves to danger or any of that i mean do it man i mean plus you got tens of millions of people losing their jobs if anyone want to get into some infrastructure jobs give them some jobs let them work on roads let them work on 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 uh railroads and whatever i mean it's we we have a crumbling uh you know we have a crumbling infrastructure around the country because guess what when you have stuff that was built many many decades ago it's gonna, there's going to be wear and tear there and you have to replace it so and upkeep it and maintain it so um yeah it's, with this magic facility it's it's going to it's going to be really important and i i think they're going to they're going to get it done. I think they, they, that September 21 date, or I mean, they're saying that pretty, pretty much as soon as the preseason starts, they want it for that 2021, 20, 2022 season. They want it ready. So, um, I, I think they'll get it done and they got the land. They, they just need the go ahead to proceed with, with starting to build. And I don't see a reason why it won't get going, but, um, that's it. So we appreciate, we appreciate you listening to another episode Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode, and, and tell us what game you want us to watch next, too. Yeah, I, I have another one uh, in mind right uh, right now. I won't reveal it now, but, um, it's again, it's going to be another fun one. But uh, And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. Uh, with that, go Magic. Take care. Wash your hands. Stay home. Get out the way. Get out the way. Get out the way. Yeah. Yeah. Get out the way. Get-